What's up, headbangers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we are joined by author Jeff Wagner is on the show today. And Jeff, uh, pretty interesting career. He started off as an editor at Metal Maniacs magazine, uh, more recently took to writing books. He is, he's got three books published and is currently working on a fourth. Uh, the three books that are available now, one is called Mean Deviations, Currently out of print, but working on another pressing of that. And it's basically, uh, just to put it in a nutshell, a, yeah, is it fair to call it a history of progressive metal? It says right there, Mean Deviation, four decades of progressive heavy metal away from Voivod, uh, yeah. does the artwork. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Wagner's first book. I can't believe this is his first book. Yeah. Um, very comprehensive. Yes, and the uh, the name of the book says it all. Four decades yeah. of progressive heavy metal. It's it's basically starting. Well, I could, I'm not going to say where it starts year wise, but it's four decades of of if talking about about if prog you're a metal. prog metal nerd. You have to own that book. It's Absolutely. pretty incredible. It's, it's uh, an absolute I, must. I, I barely, unfortunately, uh, the interview for this was done probably 10 years ago. This is a while ago. Uh, but, but I remember, uh, him interviewing me, um, about this through a connection through Mike Portnoy or Ron Jarzombek, of course. Right. Um, and, um, it really covers, uh, it, it uncovers, I should say, um, anything and everything, not, not opinion really, but truths, uh, where he actually spoke with the artist on, uh, you know, where they're coming from, how they personally feel about what it is they're doing, the impact of, uh, anything progressive, but it's also not leaving anybody in the, in the dirt. If someone's recently just now getting into progressive metal, heavy, heavy, weird music, there's stepping stones in here. And I talk about that in the interview today with, with Jeff about how, you know, uh, if you're new to it, uh, you know, and you don't know a whole lot, there's these starting places where mentions of Metallica and Merciful Fate and Megadeth and Pink Floyd and Queensryche and things like that. Those are like the breadcrumbs that lead you into the, the depth of what this book is really doing. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and obviously Watchtower is, is featured in there. Uh, you yeah, can't and that, that's my it. connection with Jeff is how right. I know him. And, and uh, our, our episode with Billy White, which hasn't aired yet, I was referencing Mean Deviation to Billy, and that, that's what spawned me reaching out to Jeff. Uh, yeah. And I just found him, and, uh, and we have him today. Um, his new his newer books are uh, let's talk about this. It's a Peter Steele uh, biography, Soul on Fire. Right. 
um, comprehensive look into the public figures from the savage early days of carnivore to his demigod status in the platinum selling typo negative Peter Steele's unique creative vision was unsurpassed. The cover is amazing. Uh, yeah. The green this, and black. This guy, Jeff, is the research, his process, his, his, we talked to Jeff about the whole thing. He, he befriended uh, Peter Steele's family in order to get the goods to write um, a book that would do justice to the life of Peter Steele. Yeah. And the newest one he's got, you want to talk about this one, Dave? Yeah, the, the, the newest one came out uh, less than a year ago. I think he said last July. It's called Destination Onward. It's the story of fate's warning. Uh, one thing you'll learn about Jeff is his musical tastes are very um, eclectic and, and in some cases niche. And I think that's what I love about uh, his books is he's, he's, he's writing books about subjects that haven't been done to death. Uh, in some cases, maybe they haven't been done at all. Uh, so I know there's an audience out there for Fate's Warning. Uh, Jeff is a very uh, well-researched writer and obviously a very talented writer. So uh, if you're a Fate's Warning fan, you'll want to check that book out. There's not a lot of books out there on Fate's Warning, I wouldn't imagine. And There's, maybe, uh, there's you know, Texas connection here with, with Ray, uh, Bobby Jarzombek, Ray Alder. Yeah. And Cyrus and Ray's and Bobby's uh, collective work out of uh, San Antonio area in Texas in the metals, in the metal scene, in the metal world. Uh, so Texas yeah. Headbangers, it's a good read. You might recognize some people you sat across from at breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> in pictures in this book. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we should, I guess we'll just go ahead and tease it because Jeff uh, talks about it at length in, in the episode. Uh, he's currently working on a book uh, on Voivod. So, man, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I know uh, I'm a fan. I know you're a fan. And talk about a band that doesn't have a lot of books out. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a Voivod no. book. And, no. and we talk about a ways, uh, Martin Popoff book of a ways art. Uh, yeah. Worlds different. away. Is what yeah, that's called. I love and that you, title. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can get that on a Waze website, which I don't know. But slightly are, different, I think. Right. I think yeah. the yeah. point was made that the 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 book that's out now on Voivod sort of features a Waze artwork. It might be more of a picture book with some explanation about his artwork and that sort of thing, whereas the thing that Jeff is working on is a comprehensive history of of the band Voivod. Well, um, I like pictures. Yeah, yeah. You can read pictures, right? I, I, don't, I don't. I don't read a whole lot, but what I'm reading is uh, pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, Jeff has uh, been one of my favorite writers for a while. Um, he's also one of us. Oh, absolutely. It's, ob it's obvious that he's all about it. Uh, he also has a has a, a podcast called Radical Research, and. Yeah seems to me he he talks about it about how he kind of got you know early episodes of his podcast radical research were um nor norwegian bands primarily and then kind of spawned into other things it's basically esoteric a lot of underground metal um uh progressive music there you will yeah. there you go not necessarily just progressive metal but progressive music, uh, probably a lot of it's super weird to fans of, you know, ACDC, but that's okay. Yeah. 
So, well, I, I, yeah, his, his tastes, like I said, are, are pretty eclectic. Even in the conversation with him, he's rattling off band names that some of them I never even heard of. And yeah, they, he's they he's be, he's out. beyond he's beyond that. He's obviously, and he's not going to mind us uh, birds of a feather, I, to quote him, uh, as we all are. He's way into it. Yeah, like he's <laughs> way into it. But he's yeah. a writer, right? So right. he that's the kind of mind that you know he's retaining information that he doesn't need that he's going to use someday yeah yeah and he ta he talks about that in the in the interview today here uh his website is radicalresearch.org if you want to write that down people listening people watching if you want to just check out places you can buy his books um you can do it all there uh the fates book you can go to I think he said fateswarningbook.com, uh, and that redirects to uh, radicalresearch.org, where you can find anything you want to know about Jeff Wagner. It was really great to have him today. Ladies and gents, Jeff Wagner. Yeah, we just have a conversation and hang out. Um, we edit and post. We don't. Yeah. Sometimes we go deep and we get off subject, but that's the, when you get the best shit, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you want to know? I you want to know a, a couple, uh, interview tactic I learned when I was writing the Soul and Fire book, and that is that uh, if you ask a question and somebody gives you an answer and it doesn't feel like enough, just don't say anything. Yeah. Just you you let you let the silence hang, and it's a little uncomfortable. And I had to learn how to like make it not uncomfortable for me um and not to fill in the silence but as soon as i just sat there and kind of was like they would they would just feel like oh i got to have to say more and then man the floodgates open yeah wow that was great that was great so if, if you ever are stumped and somebody's just not answering that's like yeah. that that really works yeah well the there's um not to talk about dave with him in the room i usually wait for Dave <laughs> to leave the room before i talk about dave but he could write a book and I, it would be cool in a, in a fantasy video in my brain for you, for you, Jeff, to become Dave's muse because you're, you're obviously ahead of the game. Dave has zero books out and you have many. Yeah. Uh, and I, I <laughs> wish Dave would write a book. Yeah. I mean, and once, once you, once you write the book and it's, it, it, it takes a long, long, long time. Yep. it's a it's a hell of a process but once you do uh you get you get the fever for more it's wow. like i want to write another one i um, wish dave would write my yeah. book <laughs> Dude, I, you, know, you know here's the thing everybody has a story i wish uh, you guys you know, would both write my book there you go I mean, yeah you, you have a great story every band yeah. has a story every person has a story it's just yeah. a matter of and i think now well i feel like we're getting into the podcast maybe but no we uh, are but, and you're good keep going okay uh you know, for so long, there weren't metal books out there, you know, and I was frustrated by that as a fan, you know, I've been a fan forever. I'm 53. And uh, I was like, you know, by, by even the late eighties, I kind of wanted some metal books and they, they just weren't there. And if they were, they were these kind of slapped together, kind of tiger beat level, uh, you know, books on Judas Priest that weren't that great. And, uh, but now that the history has, has, you know, now decades and decades behind it itself, you know, there's so much history now that, that it is time for books and they've been coming out like crazy and people are buying them. 
Yeah. I, I remember hearing pe- people say, oh, metalheads don't read. That'll never happen. Like bullshit, you know, yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Uh, I, so I learned I how to, re- I learned how to read because you put out books. <laughs> hey man doing my doing a good service for the. For i read society. as much i read as many music related books as i can get my hands on so uh, uh let me stop real quick and thank you for sending uh, a couple books my, oh my way. god yeah the the, sure. the the peter Steele and the fates warn uh the the fates warning book um right out of camera over here right out of the shot i've got a bookcase full of i read every rock autobiography biography whatever that i can get my hands on and i was kind of like you um uh i as a kid growing up i i i took i got my hands on every magazine that was out there you know hit parader cream circus then it was rip uh metal edge even before that i mean even as a kid i was picking up 16 magazine because there was kiss pictures in there you know same same here yeah. but much like you as far as any sort of book with any substance you know a a comprehensive look at a band or an artist or whatever they were kind of few and far between and especially in the niche that I was looking for, like you can find books all day long on the doors and Led Zeppelin and the who, yeah. where could I find an iron maiden book or right. a guns right. and roses book or something right. like that. And yeah. now all that stuff is starting to come to fruition. And I yeah. think you, you're digging even deeper than that. Like you're very specialized from what I've seen. Um, and I want to talk about your books, but first let's go back. When did you realize you had a knack for writing? Uh, well, I mean, in school, even going back to grade school, um, I was a pretty advanced reader in first, second, third grades, you know, um, so I was a reader first. And I think that's that's where I learned probably more of my writing chops than um, actual schooling. You know, and of course, I was always interested in the Strunk and White books and the, and the, the rules of, of language and English class was always fascinating to me. But really, my my real love and interest in, in writing came from reading. Right. Came from reading other writers who I thought were really good and engaging. And, and I read across a wide swath of, of you know, uh, literature, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, science, uh, fantasy, a lot of sci fi. I mean, it just, you know, and it runs the gamut. And I probably read a lot less uh, music books than you'd think these days, simply because I do my own. And it, it kind of gets a little tiring uh, to, to slog through all the books that are out there. I don't, I don't mean slog through. I just, you know, there's, there's a lot of great stuff out there. It's just like, I got to take a break and do something else sometimes. Especially uh, if anyway, you're writing your own in, in your yeah, spare time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. It's, it's like Jason being in a band. It's like when he comes home at the end of the night, he probably just wants some peace and quiet. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but so, so it was, it was through reading. That I don't I, hate music yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thankfully still in love with music the way I always have been, but yeah, so it was through reading, but you know, it's funny um, before I started contributing to fanzines and like, the late eighties, I guess it was, um, I'd say around 86 or 87, I, I just would write reviews, uh, in my bedroom for myself. I wouldn't even share them with friends cause I was a little too self-conscious, you know, but like Halloween would come out with the first keeper of the seven keys. And I just was like, I, I felt like I wanted to say something about it, but I had no outlet. So I'd just sit down at a typewriter, you know, back in the old typewriter yeah. days. And I, and I type a review and I had like a stack of reviews and I just, you know, I, Fanzines were around them, but I just didn't have, I didn't feel like I had the resources to do my own fanzine, but it was just sort of the same idea, which was just, I just feel like writing. I feel like getting out 
my ideas about this and why why this works or why this doesn't work or whatever. Um, and then, you know, then, yeah, I started writing for fanzines. And then I just, I, I feel like I just developed um, my writing style over the years or a lot of trial and error and a yeah. lot of embar embarrassing early articles. But, you know, it's part of the, <laughs> part of the deal. So. I think we can all say that. I, I, I mean, yeah, I relate to everything you're saying so well because it sounds like we've had similar paths in, in a lot of respects. Yeah. His, uh, in your in your sort of like a body of work, uh, I can't say that I know what your first book was and what your newest book is or what you're working on now because I just don't. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, Mean Deviation was I, I I didn't know you. I didn't know your name and and then I guess it was Portnoy that hooked us up for or it could have been Ron Jarzombach, but I think uh, well I talked to both of them for that book. So they one of them led me to you. I know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that was my first book. Yeah, that was my first book. Because, okay, good. Before, All right. Then yeah. I'm not completely out of my mind. Okay. No, I yeah. I'm not a Martin Popoff. I don't have a hundred books to my name. I have <laughs> I have three with a fourth one that should be coming out by the end of the year. Um, but I've done a lot of writing uh, elsewhere. I've done liner notes. I've contributed to other books. Um, I, you know, it, it was at Metal Maniacs for five years. Um, so, you know, I just, it, it, all of that was great. But I, to me, my, I'm most comfortable writing books. I like the long form two year journey of it. Yeah. Wow. Well, this, um, this freaked me out <laughs> when it came out. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that's how it was supposed to, it was supposed to freak you out. This, this, this made me feel like smart. <laughs> I tricked I mean, you, didn't I? The, you quoted, you quoted me a few times sure in here. And, I sure did, and yeah. you, I, I sound like, you know, like I went to at least 10th grade <laughs> and, um, uh, you know what kind of uh, where where do you start? What is your what is your yeah. process? What is your how did you uh, uh, down to the cover art? I mean, did you, you you probably didn't start with the idea to to get a hold of a way from Voivod to get to do the cover, but no, but that was always in the back of my mind because I I have had like even before that I had uh, some contact with Voivod I, over yeah. the years as as a journalist. Um, so they knew who I was. It wasn't out of the question for, for me to approach away. Um, the way that book started was because Ian Christie, the owner of Bazillion Points, the author of Sound of the Beast, which was a, uh, I'd say almost a pioneering genre book on heavy metal. Sure. Um, he started Bazillion Points. That was one of the first books to come out on Bazillion Points. And uh, years prior to that, you know, we had hung out when I was in New York at Metal Maniacs and he was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we uh, we were just pals and we'd go to shows or whatever and hang out and um, eat, eat good food. And he would he, even even back then. And I think certainly after I left Metal Maniacs in 2001 and moved to Virginia, moved to the country, he was on me about, hey, someday you should write the progressive metal book. Because he knew that was kind of like a an area of, of great interest of mine, whether it was, you know, the, the Fate's Warnings and the Queen's Rikes and the Dream Theaters or whether it was super avant-garde stuff. Right. Uh, he knew I was all about all of that. So he was on me. And then as soon as he announced Bazillion Points, uh, I, I think I got an email about it. He didn't tell me about it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I emailed him and I said, hey, if you're looking for 
a book on progressive metal, I know a writer, you know, kind of joking with him because he had been on me about it for years. So it was easy. It was really easy to do. Um, or, or it was easy to make the decision to do. Yeah. Uh, tackling the whole notion of what even progressive is as right. applied to, to metal is tough. Um, I And I don't have sort of the definition of it that a lot of people do, which is that it's all about, you know, it's all about technique and that's it. It's not yeah, that all was about... pretty good. We need to record that and, and make a song out of it. Yeah, maybe make your theme song. New but yeah, I, like I, I had a lot of different ideas on what progressive was and what it wasn't. Um, it's not a bunch of bands that sound like Dream Theater. You know, I think Dream Theater are progressive. I don't think a lot of bands that sound like Dream Theater are progressive. That's anti that's an antithetical to what progressive right, right. Really means. So anyway, it, it was it was a hell of a of a of a, of a subject to tackle as my first book because it's it's very broad. Um, it's open to such interpretation. But I just, you know, Ian encouraged me to just go like just just do what you want. You know, just you write the first book on progressive metal. Somebody else will come in with the second one and they'll they'll have their say. Well, so it, I, it gave me the confidence to just do it the way I wanted to do. I it. want to jump in and say that you know you're you're making it an easy enough sort of like plunge for someone who is maybe just today getting into prog rock or over the top insane soundscape metal mm -hmm. core mm -hmm. techno, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, whatever you want to call it, but. You're making it very, very simple, even on the cover, you know, four decades of progressive heavy metal. Do you can't spell it out any, you know, as soon as you start using some of the terminology that the bands might call their own style. Yeah. Uh, like, like, I think I'm quoted in here calling us techno thrash, you know, or something like that, math metal or something yeah. like that. But, um, you, what I was going to say is you're, you're giving the, everyone you know mom and dad as well like stepping stones you you talk about metallica and you talk about you know deep purple and you talk you pink floyd and you talk about led zeppelin and black sabbath and but you're in between those things are the wiring that's leading up to sieges even and stuff like go. that absolutely yeah absolutely i mean um I, you know i don't think progressive metal starts with Queensryche. Uh, I think it goes back further. I mean, I think in the book I, I state or I, I make the kind of crass opinion that uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath was the first progressive metal album. Oh, yeah. I do consider Black Sabbath a, a metal band. I know that Tony Iommi doesn't, but that's okay. You right. know, um, I do, you know, I think a lot of us do. Um, and I think that was their first album where they just took this gigantic leap off into the deep end. Uh, well, and, and sorry to interrupt, but that first yeah. record is a fucking jazz record. I mean, they're swinging and all kinds of set. I mean, Black Sabbath, you know, the only like song that goes like the cave, you know, caveman Frankenstein is the song Black Sabbath. Sure. Otherwise, they're drawing from, as you say, you know, bebop, jazz, blues, obviously hard blues. And and but just that darkness and that that really like trudging reality of it all and oh my god dark, yes. darkness and depression like that was yeah. that was pretty new that was innovative yeah. oh, yeah. and and that you know they they had enough that separated them from the uri heaps and deep purples you know oh, god yeah. bless those bands love them but um yeah sabbath were the first metal band and i feel like they kind of did the first progressive metal album just in terms of like taking that dark 
doomy thing and you know doing a song like spiral architect well i, I there's two words like, two two words uh related to sabbath bloody sabbath rick wakeman yes yeah he was on uh sabra cadabra there uh, there you go so, so. I, I love that crossover he was in this other studio recording uh tales from topographic oceans at the time and uh you know i'm sure they probably smoked something together or did something together and they were like hey you know sit in and, and then you got rick wakeman from yes on a sabbath album i heard what they ran into each thing? other i heard they ran into each other at the pub it's quite likely yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was so, that I, I believe that's how Ian Gillen uh, joined Sabbath was yeah. over, over a very drunken night at the pub. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so to give people a sense of the, the, the struggle that you're, you're dealing with. So you're, you're writing mean deviations and you're trying to, I can't even imagine the, the struggle you, you have with determining who gets in the book and who gets out. So, so yeah. give us an example of a band that you were sort of weighing the pros and cons and trying to decide, okay, did they fit the, the genre that I'm writing about, or are they just outside enough that I need to leave them out? Can you uh, name two or three I, bands? One, one that comes to mind immediately is Therion from Sweden, who started out as, as you know, they were Swedish and they started out as, um, I don't want to say typical death metal just because I like them, I, but they were part of that whole Swedish blown out, you know, entombed type sound. Um, and then a few albums later, they were orchestral and operatic. And then they, and, you know, the, uh, I think their fifth full length, Theli, Theli, I don't know how you say it, T-H-E-L-Y-L-I, has a very similar story as like Celtic Frost into the Pandemonium, where okay. they were, they were overtime in the studio. Uh, they were asking for all these like extra singers and, and you know, opera singers. And, and um, uh, in fact, a singer on that theory on album, uh, Claudia Mori Moki, I think her name is, she sings on that Into the Pandemonium by Frost. Um, so they were kind of going off the deep end the way Frost were a few years earlier, uh, pissing off their record company. The record company did not think it was going to be a, a huge hit. And it became the biggest selling theory on album and one of the biggest selling nuclear blast albums of all time. And it's a way out there album. I don't even really like that era of Therion. I'm kind of more into the earlier stuff, but um, I was like, is, you know, is, is operatic metal. That's, that's really bombastic. Does that necessarily mean it's progressive? But I think that they just carved such a niche with what they were doing. You know, it was, it's just so, you know, singular to them. Yeah. Or it was at the time before people started copying it that I thought, I think Therion goes in here, you know? Um, and I had, I had to also separate what I love as a listener versus um, what I just feel belongs. Right. And that was another right. case. I respect Christopher Johnson and Therion so much. And I, I do love their first several albums, um, but I just never got really into the, the stuff that actually qualified them for the book, but nevertheless, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a lot, I, you know, tool was one of them. Um, I had a, a couple pages on tool and faith no more, uh, who I'm fans of both, but, um, I just couldn't quite fit it in. I just didn't feel, I feel like they came from such different backgrounds. Maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was more interested in the bands that started as that demo level metal band and then found general giant or found King Crimson or, uh, found classical music or, or whatever it was. And then, you know, then the, the writing morphs and then the evolution just gets so crazy. That's what I was more interested in. And I couldn't really get that with tool. I couldn't get, get that with faith no more. I think those guys come from such, like I said, different backgrounds. So, um, I kicked that part out of the book, even though, Hey, you know, it would, it, it's a, it, it's a good thing to have as a selling point there, but I wasn't going to try to force it in. 
Yeah. yeah. I, the reason I ask is because I, I would just imagine it's a daunting task to try and decide who gets in and who gets out because it is such a subjective opinion as to what is progressive metal, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, I try to lay out the definitions for that of, the, of my own. Yeah. And then, and then that just gives me license to just say it as I, as I want to. Again, it was Ian saying, do your version of what, what progressive means right. to you. People right. want to buy it. You know, you're, you're enough of a known quantity from your previous writing that, that you'll have some authority, you know, it won't be like this dude who, you know, just sure. thinks he knows it all. And I don't think I know it all, but I, but it gave me the confidence to, to go ahead and just do my version. And it's funny because like every book I've done, um, I keep thinking, um, yeah, maybe I did the first book on Peter Steele. I want to see somebody do the second one, but nobody's done that yet. Nobody's yeah. done the second progressive metal book as far as I know. Um, although there was one by Roy Avon who he covered more of the modern sort of nineties era stuff, uh, the, the sort of dream theater stuff. Um, but I, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm always, I'm always hoping again, I, I, I'll be the first in line to buy the next face warning book if somebody else wants to write their version. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know think- if that's. Ian Ian makes a a good point that you have established credibility. So when you come out with something, it may not be all inclusive. How could it? But at least it's coming from a knowledgeable source and it's going to be well researched and thought out and that sort of thing. Um, There's no way it can be all inclusive. It's the I mean, it's just too vast of a universe to to pick from. You mentioned. uh, my the obvious question for me after seeing the cover of Mean Deviations in the artwork by away is when do we get the Voivod book from you? Oh man, I've been, I mean, I I I, <laughs> I literally today just got the first uh, layout uh, chapters. I, I've got three uh, final chapters into my layout artist, uh, and and I have kind of these ideas for how I want it to look, but I don't have the technical uh, ability uh, as a graphic artist. So you know, I hire people to, to do my books and. Um, he sent me back something like literally 20 minutes before I signed on today. And I'm looking at this stuff going, if this is rough, man, this is going to look good. I can't wait. My, my wife was looking over my shoulder going, uh, this is going to be your best book ever. And she was just like looking at three pages of it. She hadn't read a word. And I was like, yeah, I I hope it is. So Um, I I was taking a shot in the dark here. It's in the works. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's been in the works since 2019, actually. Um, that was the year that I quit Inside Out Music, uh, the the progressive label, and went on my own. And I thought I, I could I could work on two books at the same time, no problem, because I had the Fates Warning book just starting then too. Yeah, well, that didn't work out. I don't know if Jason's ever tried to work on two albums at once, but it doesn't. It's just it's it, you know it felt like that. It felt like what what was I thinking? There's no way. I mean, I need I need focus for one thing. You know, it's a huge project. I I have it's it's kind of split brain, but I have worked on two different, three, maybe four different kinds of songs in one week. Yeah, I, like I, it was driving me nuts, and because yeah. it's such a long term project, like I don't think a book should ever take less than two years. You know, if you if it does, I think especially a book like this where there's a lot of research and and listening involved, and um, you know, yeah, I you know I the listening has been my research. So maybe I don't have to bone up on stuff so much, but um, I, I, I got into that process. And by early 2020, I was like, I can't, I can't do both. And the face warning book kind of took a head of steam. It just, it started rolling and I started getting really into it. Um, and my, my passion for that band just kind of just sort of eclipsed uh, the boy Bob book at the time. Uh, I would say, I love these bands equally. They're very different, but I, 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 they're two of my very favorites, but um 
Yeah. So I just, I just told the Voivod guys, look, and the manager, like, it's going to be a while. I'm, I got to finish this Facebook. And they were totally cool. So, um, so, so now, you... yeah. So now I've, I've amassed a lot of stuff. I've done tons of interviews with uh, all living members of Voivod, except okay. for Blackie. Uh, I've talked to people like Mike from Opeth and Grutla from Enslaved and Luke from Gorguts and um, trying to get Jellyby Opera, but we'll see. Uh, he's a fan. Um, but I'm just talking to everybody and, um, you know, management, past managers, uh, stuff like this, uh, different producers, um, uh, Mark Berry, uh, who did Outer Limits. Uh, if you look up his resume, it's pretty impressive. Uh, is, Harris, is, Harris, Harris Johns, Len yeah. Robinson. Um, yeah. Is, 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 uh, is Blackie going to cooperate or when you say you haven't interviewed him yet, is it because mm. he's, he's not, a, he's not participating or you just haven't gotten around to him yet? No, no, no. I, I contacted him and he and the band have had uh, a bit of a falling out over the years. Yeah. It's, 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 it's long running. He quit. He's been out of, in and out of the band twice. Yeah. Um, so there's just a, a, a personality conflicts there, just to put it lightly. Um, and, but I still wanted him because he's a huge part of their sound. He's oh, yeah. a fantastic bass player. He's a hero bass player of mine. Uh, cause that's the instrument that I play. And, and so my teachers would be him and, you know, of course people like Steve Harris and Peter Butler and Joey Vera for sure. Um, mm -hmm. you, well, you know, Jason, he's a killer bassist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think yeah. the world has finally figured out that he is, uh, a bass yes. man of many hats. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, I contacted him. He basically gave me two reasons. One, uh, because of he 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 basically you know I I knew he would say no, but I had to contact. I had to make the attempt so that sure. I could tell fans and readers like, well, I tried, you know, and right. and here's the email. Oops, sorry about that. Here's the email he sent me, or you know, here's what he said. Um, but basically, two things. One was that. Um, he didn't think somebody who wasn't there could write an authoritative book. And I called bullshit on it in an re email response that he just didn't get back to me on. Because I said, look, I just read a 600-page Thomas Edison biography, uh, and that guy nailed it. And that guy didn't even come close to living in the era that Thomas Edison did. I said, as long as you do your research, as long as you know the subject, and as long as you spend the time, you can write a great biography. Same thing with Abraham Lincoln biographers. You don't have to have been there. You right. know, I, I thought it was rather an absurd statement. And if he hears me say that now, that's or, or another time, that's fantastic. I, I completely disagree. I've been following that band since I was 15. Uh, 1984 was their first album. I was right there. And I have been on board the whole time. Um, I That band is my in my DNA. So I know. I, I know something. There are some things about Voivod I know better than the band. And that's fine because, you know, when you're in a band, you're focusing on present and future. But I, I've, I've kind of just been a student of that band. Uh, the other the other reason was he says he's writing a book on Voivod. Ah. Well, when I wrote the Peter Steele book, which was quite a controversial um, process, uh, a couple of the band members refused to talk to me for a couple different reasons. And again, one of those was because they're writing their book. Hmm. This was eight years ago. Where's the book? Yeah. You know, I read yeah. that in, in yeah. the Peter book. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I, I tell these guys, I told Blackie and I told uh, the guys from Typo, like, I'll be the first in line to, to read that book. Good luck. Uh, but I'll get mine out before yours. And I, and I will do my very best to do uh, justice to the subject. That's, that's all I can say, you know, so 
Yeah. Long answer, but I feel so passionately about Blackie as, as, as a musician and artist. It's a little bit disappointing, but it'll be a great book nonetheless. No, no question. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, that's man. great. Uh, yeah. We started this conversation about, you know, there's not enough books for nerds like us to, to, <laughs> to read about our favorite bands. And there's certainly no book that I'm aware of out there on Voivod. It, and it, and probably if there is, it's one of these slap together Tiger Beat type things that you're talking about. No. And in fact, there is a book, but it's a very different one. And it's more focused on a ways art. It came out in like, I think, 2010 or so. It's called uh, Worlds Away. Uh, and it was right. done by Martin Popoff, um, oh. and it's a big hardcover, but it, the whole idea behind it was not really Voivod history and music analysis and bio. It was more to highlight Away's artwork through the Is years. Is that the same book that Away sells on his website? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's a great book, but, but you know, I think Martin, Martin knows I'm doing this book, and he's psyched for it, uh, he told me, and, and uh, the band know that this, this kind of book that I'm doing also needs to happen, too you know, where you tell the entire history. The yeah. band has been through a lot of ups and downs. I mean, more more than your average ups and downs that bands go through. Wow. Well, they've been around forever, too, and that kind of comes That's exciting. The, um, and the, yeah, so, the changes they've seen, the major label stuff, the Faith No More Soundgarden tours, the the, the trenches they were in in the mid-'90s, just doing it with as a trio because they loved it and, and not making any money and actually losing money. You know, it is, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look forward to that one. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk about, we mentioned this one, the, uh, the Peter Steele book, when you're writing something like this, um, you, this one specifically, uh, did you learn anything about Peter Steele that you didn't know prior to writing the book? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Give us some examples. Um, well, there's some things I can't even say cause I didn't even print them. Um, and that's, that's just going to have to, go to my grave because I, I found out some really crazy shit. Um, and, and the reason I didn't put that sort of stuff in the book was because it just, it, to me, it didn't do any service to, to the art. Uh, and that's ultimately what I'm mostly interested in highlighting when I do a book is, is the music, the art, the aesthetic, the, the beauty of, of music. Um, now with Peter Steele, yes, you, you have a very deeply tragic personal story in, uh, and, and a very mixed up person and a very, intelligent and sweet and smart person. I mean, he was, you know, again, we're all complicated, but he was even more complicated, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, you know, the thing I learned that I think I knew a little bit about this, but I didn't realize how badly he did not want to go on tour when bloody kisses blew up. Mm. He just wanted to keep his park service job because it was a sure thing. He, um, he liked that kind of, day-to-day, nine-to-five, blue-collar work. Um, I can relate. I like physical work. I like to you garden. In, I like to lift heavy things. You get into that, uh, his opinion about, you know, how he's feeling internally, emotionally about leaving to go do all this work that yeah. could grow fruit on the tree or not. He and did it. You want some security, and that's about where I am. It's fairly early in the book that you start bleeding that in. Well, that's and just simply that's when it happened. You know, he did uh, Fallout was his first band as a kid. And then, you know, they had a seven inch. So his next experience was Carnivore with two albums on Roadrunner. Um, that's when I got into that. Uh, his music. I love those albums to this day. Um, first typo negative album was basically like a almost a, an avant-garde version of Carnivore. 
And then he really, you talk about progressive, then he just went left field and did bloody kisses. And I remember as a fan, when I got that, when I got that advanced tape, I thought, I love this, but this is going to sink. I didn't think anybody would get it, you know. Uh, and then it went platinum. So that's why that's why I don't do A and R. I suppose. When when I first heard that, <laughs> when I first heard that, and uh, I may have not, you know, kept my eyes open long enough to realize it was Peter Steele from Carnivore. Yeah, yeah. I, why would you? Yeah, why would exactly. you? Right. I yeah. wasn't trying to. I wasn't looking for any any clues that would lead. Oh, this guy's a hard. This guy was in a hardcore metal band called Carn. You know, it was more like uh, because I used to listen to you know Jack Daniels and Pizza and you know <laughs> I shoot my birds as a way for the rapier. You know, I used to sing right. that with my friends all the time. That acapella part, yeah, yeah, so fun and over yeah. the top. Uh, our producer, Jared, uh, producer of the, of the podcast, Jared Tooten, he's the one that turned me on to that record. Okay. Uh, that and, carnival and, record. And, yeah. And then so when Bloody Kisses came out, like it was a little bit of, of a surprise for everyone, I think. Um, and then when it eventually uh, went gold and then, uh, you know, the record label, everybody, the record label and the band were like, shit, wow, we, this is kind of a surprise, but okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, there, was a, there was a decision that had to be made. So it was, yeah, he was still pretty young, you know, and this is his fourth full length album. And suddenly he's going gold. He's the writer of all this stuff. He's pretty much the visionary. And uh, suddenly the band and the label want him to tour, 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 tour. Right. You know, I mean, this is what you got to do. We can take this album and, and go platinum if we want to. And they right. did. Yeah. The problem was he wanted to keep his day job. He really, he really would have rather done that. He, he, he put it to the band and label that I want to be like the Beatles. I want to stop playing live and I just want to record. Yeah. You know, I, 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 this is why I do this is to write songs and record. I'm not in, cause he, you know, he was a very, it's hard to believe, but, and he's so complicated that to call him an introvert is a little simplistic, but um, he, he didn't love all that attention. He didn't like the fact that his six, seven frame and, and just godlike looks and, and all that brought attention when he walked into the room. He didn't really care for that. I think he dealt with it well. He dealt with it through humor. Um, uh, and he was very, very attentive to people, uh, very sensitive to others uh, in the room, we'll say. But um, yeah, he didn't want to go on tour. It made him nervous. Very, very, very nervous. So here's here's the, the, the crux of the story and the, and the thing that I learned, again, to give you a very long-winded answer um the thing that i learned um was that he turned to alcohol and eventually cocaine just to kind of deal with uh the nerves that he would get before shows you know he's vomiting he's shitting before shows he's just like you know he's he's freaking out with nervousness and you know rather than do that crap he thought well you know this wine kind of works I'll, i'll go with that yeah. And then eventually that he got into some coke because, you know, you're around, you're around that or you have access to it. And he, before that, he was never really like a drug guy. In fact, he looked down on on people around him that were like, you know, just potheads. And, you know, he just he had a very different view of, of drugs uh, before the Bloody Kisses era. Um, yeah, I, I think he always liked prescription drugs. But that's a whole other that's a whole right. other thing. You know, he had to be medicated um, for, for legitimate mental reasons. And then I think those, those kinds of things came into the story as well. Anyway, I didn't realize uh, sort of the nerves that he had and the, 
lack of desire to actually be the the rock god he became. So maybe I'm not far enough. I'm obviously not far enough into the book. Uh, but so no penalty, said, Dave. It's OK. <laughs> thank you. H having said all that, there's people that would wonder, that, well, then how do you reconcile the whole the, the playgirl thing? You know, because that's obviously, totally. you know, yeah. you, you just described a man who's very sensitive and doesn't like the the spotlight and all this. And then. I mean, posing for Playgirl is about as far to the other extreme as you can get. So uh, how, how, how do you reconcile those two public personas? One, one is actually a lack of public persona if he had it his way. And then the other one is just scream and look at me, literally. Yeah, well, I mean, no doubt the guy uh, was, was very, very, very driven uh, by, by his sexual desires. And he was, you know, he had a, he had a hell of a libido. Um, he had, you know... He had girls in every state that they played in. Um, so this was this was a drive of his. This was, you know, um, a, a great interest of his, you know, can't fault him for that. Um, but I think he also was always, always the provocateur. He was always wanting to just jab society, jab people, jab things, jab ideas, jab politics uh, and make a mockery of everything. Yeah. Um, it was hard to tell where he stood on some issues because you were like, is he serious? Is he is he being sarcastic? Um, he was the ultimate um, kind of um, devil's advocate type person. And I think the playgirl thing he he took as a lark, like that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to do it. So, so I think I think, again, we talk about his complexity. Uh, and I'm sure I, in fact, you know, I, I talked to somebody, um, who wouldn't go on record with me, but she was a photographer of that session and she told me how nervous he was, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, but it was, I don't know. I just, I think it was just a, another challenge for him. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, an, it was, um, it was money, you know, he got some money for it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, yeah. You make you you raise a good point. It's sort of antithetical to his uh, uh, desire to just be left alone and, and just not really liking the spotlight. But at the same time, I I, I think he's that complex that it is. Uh, it's one of those left turns he took. You're like, oh, really? It's mm -hmm. probably yeah. something. <clears throat> well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of sort of making this up as I go along, but based off of what you're saying and what where I am in the book, it sounds like. Um, his sisters, his mom, uh, women are a connection. Oh, yeah. And um, might even be muse for him, um, which could lead to, you know, every everything that you're saying about, you know, women and um, his libido. Uh, on, on top of the fact that... Uh, what he's writing about at least half the time it seems to me in typo music is it's it's sexual and the grooves are uh kind of uh sort of best way they're 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 taunting and they're they're sexy there's things going on in the music that are attractive to a certain degree of sexuality Oh yeah, sure. Well, um, and he ran the gamut of that because, like, slow, deep, and hard is basically a, a hate fuck 
set the right. music. You know, that's right. it's not it's yeah. not pretty. It's not about love. It's about love gone very, very wrong. And some of it's revenge fantasy. And then some of it is based on. Yeah. A real incident, which, you know, if you've got well, that part I'm, of that world, I'm not saying it's it. not violent. Even the sexiest, grooviest little ditty that he's going to write that, you know, that that has a ha, has a really slow, sexy groove, if I may use those words. Yeah. Uh, it 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 it's scary. Well, there, I mean, he's, yeah, look, at he's still dialect. putting that on top. You know, he's yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, like like the October Rust is a, is a very passionate album, and I think it's a it's a very sedate album. It's probably one of his most, um, or I should say, least violent records. Um, okay. And there's a lot of romance to it, a lot of passion. But you have Die with Me. You know, you, it's still on this this sort of morbid side somehow. Right, uh, Romeo and Juliet. That's just always going to be in him. Uh, yes. Wolf Moon. Wolf Moon is on there. That's about. Um, uh, loving a woman during that time of the month, the lunar cycle. Okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it mixes blood. There's, I mean, there's so many references to blood and love well, in the, his music. The, you know? the, vamp, the vampire, uh, sprinkles over his whole thing. And yeah. Yeah. Did, did you know him to be, um, cause if it's in the book, I, I don't really know. I mean, I know he was an, an artist on many levels. And the the influence that his sister's record collection had on him, like the whole time of his basically his uh, his birth of a songwriter, the birth yeah. of a songwriter has to be with the the cage that you're locked in whenever you you know decide to subject yourself to something, or your uh, an older sibling goes, I want you to listen to this, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to listen. It's worked for me in the past. So I'm going to listen. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, him like finding horror films or uh, romantic story forms, uh, reading, he read all the time. He did read a lot. He was, he, I mean, he read, and I think he read across a wide uh, spectrum, but, you know, his sisters told me that um, he loved textbooks. Oh, I mean, okay. He'd read like plumbing manuals and, and he'd read like math textbooks. And Not a bad idea. They gave me a copy that he owned of a welding book when I interviewed them in person up oh. in New Jersey. So I own this like book on welding that he liked to have around. Like, I don't even know if he ever welded in his life, but he liked to know about it. He was into process <laughs> okay. and he was into instruction. And one of the things that I regret not highlighting more in the book, and I don't, you know, this will be a spoiler for you guys because I don't think either one of you gotten to the end yet, but um, he became born again Christian, which was crazy for a guy that wrote God is Dead with Carnivore and was uh, atheist and, and, and uh, devout atheist for a long time. But he, he found his Catholic roots near the end of his life. And I always thought that, um, and he's quoted in the book as saying like the Bible was sort of this instruction manual for him. It's just sort of, you open it up and it kind of, you can sort of get ideas of what you should do in a certain case. And, you know, but I wish I would have teased that out a little more and gone, wow, that's just like his love of textbooks, right? He likes to know, uh, he likes patterns. He likes predictability. Yeah. Um, Another thing I learned about him was he was a little bit um, anal retentive or even uh, OCD uh, in the sense that, uh, and this is in the book somewhere, but he liked to have, he's one of these people that like cannot have his food on his plate 
together. Like he has to have this thing over here and this thing over here. You can't okay. have this touch that. Don't touch that. Um, yep. He would even he even like there was a there's a Chinese place he used to order from, uh, and they would call him. You're too particular. Right. He's too particular. <laughs> I did read because that. He, he, yeah, he'd call and he'd be like, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just more like stuff I learned about him. I'm like, well, no wonder he was so fussy about the way like the lettering was on his records. Like everything had to be just exact. And that's what, that's a great artist. Somebody who's just going to, yeah. who the, the record company is going to, um, he's going to drive them nuts with every little thing. Yeah. But they all loved him because he was such an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, I just, I find him to be one of the most fascinating people in the world. And I just, when I had the idea to write, I thought there'd be a book out there. I thought, well, maybe I missed it, you know? And then when I found there wasn't, I was like, well, here I go. And then, um, you know, halfway into it and near the end, I regretted the whole thing because uh, it, it was made very difficult by so, a lot of the characters that I had to. For our, for our listeners. It, 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 it was, yeah. For our listeners, I want to, I want to hold it up again. And in our montage and in our intro, Jeff, we're going to, we're going to show the cover as a digital uh, photo, but the book is soul on fire, the life and music of Peter Steele. Um, these are incredible. Thank you for signing them. Yeah. I really love that. And uh, you didn't, I don't think you asked me to, and I never, I'm never sure if somebody doesn't ask me, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I should desecrate their book with my sloppy handwriting. You know? Dude, you're how I, that's but, how I feel about, you know, wow, you just paid a hundred bucks for this album and you want me to scratch it. <laughs> right, the right, right. On it. It's like, right. Energetic disassembly. That's worth like totally weird. bucks and make it like, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, Dave's yeah. got it up right there. I, I see it right there. Yeah. And I insisted I, that he sign it. So, and that's a like, first are question. You sure, too, so. Are you sure you want, you know? Yeah. Here's I'm what sure. I don't, here's what I find strange. I, uh, I, away from Voivod asked me to sign his copy of Soul on Fire when I gave it to him at a show. And I was like, I should, you, I should never be signing things for you. You should be signing things for me. Like, I'm the fan. You know, this is, this is weird signing something for you. I, you know. Well, that that see, I love that. I love that. That means that he respects your art yes. as much as you respect his. Hey, man, I'll, I'll take it. That's that's a high compliment. Yeah. Jason doesn't know this, but we were at uh, we were at Rock and Pod in Nashville, Tennessee, a couple weeks ago, and it's a podcast convention, and there's musicians and fans and that sort of thing. Well, this guy who is a fan of the show, the podcast, came up to our booth, and he had a copy, a CD copy of Broken Teeth's guilty pleasure album and he had he had already had jason sign it but he came up to me and he said hey i see you're credited on the back for singing backup vocals would you sign this <laughs> awesome you talk about feeling like i don't have any right, right. to be touching this thing man i'm i'm a guy that sang a couple backup vocals on this record you just sound like really tiny so that yeah at least well, you, you I, got I, his request in but you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I signed it, but I was, great. man, you, you, you talk about you feeling odd when, uh, yeah. with away, how, yeah. how odd is that for me? Well, that kind of, yeah, you're right. I didn't know that, but here's the deal is like, that's the, that's why that, that person, that dude is the reason we have a podcast yeah. for the nerds <laughs> exactly. who read the fine print. Exactly. exactly. That, oh, that yep. dude's on here. Oh, yeah. You know, I, that kind of I was impressed that he took the time to read the fine print and yeah. find my name and then know that I'm that guy. And it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing about the Peter Steele book, and then and then I'll move on unless Jason has something else. Um, 
in your own words, when we started this conversation, you you said that some people deem the book to be controversial in some ways. In, in what ways are you hearing that the book is controversial? Well, I guess, well, I mean, you know, just the content and some of the things that Peter was um, accused of or, or um, sort of the way, the way, I, I don't know. I think, I think people um, felt that he was either a Nazi or, or a racist and he's none of that. Uh, the, I think the book proves it and explains it. Um, so there was that, that's, there's that part of the controversy, but that was just part of, I have to tell the story and sort of let people, let people understand why, uh, you know, people hated him in Europe when he toured over there in Germany or whatever, you know what I mean? The other part of the controversy is something that I've tried to get away from and should probably never even, I shouldn't even mention it, but um, just dealing with some of the people involved in the band. Um, and I had a little bit of um, a schism with the family at some certain point uh, when it came to writing about his final days because I wanted to interview people that uh, were there and could at least give me their viewpoint. And there are factions in the Peter Steele world and the Peter Steele family and, and in, the, in the band that um, hold on to certain beliefs that they believe to be true uh, of, of certain events near the end of his life. And I, I, at some point I felt like I was balancing these sort of disparate people, these kind of warring factions or warring opinions um, and I just kind of stepped into a, a, a quagmire. Uh, and um, I went ahead and did what I felt like I had to do. So the support of the family was huge throughout the whole making of the book. And near the end, when I wanted to talk to one certain person uh, named Pam, she's in, in chapter 13, um, they pulled out all support and started to lambast me uh, publicly on their site. And I just, I, you know, I, I didn't take kindly to that because I was basically just had turned into an investigative reporter, which was also not anything I wanted to do, but I had to find out some facts and pull some hospital records and some ambulance records and, and find out truths. And um, I just went ahead and did it. I did finally hear from them and they, they, they thanked me. They, they told me that right before the book was published that they thought Peter would have liked it and thought I did, you know, had done a good job. Wow. So that was a huge relief after having a lot of schism with them. Um, but, you know, the band never really came around and talked to me because they, at the time, I don't know how it is now. This is like now, what, eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. Um, they had had some beliefs about certain things where um, if you talk to the family, we're not going to talk to you. If you, if you talk to, to us, the family probably wouldn't have talked to me. It seemed like I had, it seemed at the time that I started the, the writing that I had to pick sides. And that was a really uncomfortable position to be in. And one that I was like, I didn't know I was stepping into that when I made the decision and announcement that I was going to do this book, but I had to see it through. Yeah. Um, and I just did the best I could. The, the reason I went with the family was because they had things like pictures and memories that um, allowed me to tell his story because this is not a typo negative book. It's a Peter Steele book. People have to remember that. Uh, you know, I think the fallout chapter is in some way just as important as the typo negative chapters. Certainly the carnivore chapters are as important as, as the typo chapters. It's about Peter. Um, so I felt that they could help me um, give a rounder picture of him as a person. Uh, and, and I could get quotes from the band through other sources. 
because I, I learned from mean deviation or, or any other writing I've done that as long as you cite a source, you can, you can borrow things, right. you know, you can't, you can't take an entire article and cite it, but you can take a piece and you can cite that. And, and your citation is your legal grounds to include that in your reporting, in your writing. Right. And I thought, well, those guys are all on record with stuff that I'll need to know. Right. I mean, yeah, they could have given me some inside stuff, but I, I had to balance that. So that's that's kind of what led me to make the decision I had to make. I, I would have loved to have everybody on board and have it be a, a big, happy, you know, lollipop ship. But, uh, you know, Man, yeah. but as if this wasn't daunting enough, you know, Yeah, no, I know it was the hardest book I've ever had to write. I mean, when you face war- yeah, face warning was a tough write. It's, it's all a tough write because books are hard to write. But um, God damn, it was not the headache that. The, the soul and fire book was I, I still i'm still proud of it i still stand behind it 100 i've had some fans who sided with the band say oh it's lies 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 and i every time that has ever come up i i went i i or every time i see that and i see it less and less thankfully but um every time i would see that i would challenge those people to go if it's lies give give me your 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 proof give me the other part of the story I'll I'll triangulate it. I'll I'll do any, everything I have to do to to make sure that this new piece of information is legit, and I will put it in a future edition because this has been through three editions now. Uh, really? Actually, a fourth a fourth a fourth um, if you count the this very limited red cover I did in the carnival cover. Um, anyway, um, but not one of those people, whether it was the band or a fan, have have come forth and answered me on that. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, dude, you just made my head explode because I, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, it's 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 tough enough to write a book and then you decide to do it. And then you realize when you get into it, there's two warring camps and you need information from both of them, ideally. And then because they're fighting now, you have to be this moderator and not just the author of this book, but you have to decide which side do I rely on more heavily? How do I balance it? I mean, if if all you did was sit down on day one and say, I'm going to write this book, that to me would be heavy enough. But yeah. then you get into this, he said, she said, and who do I trust? And then, like you said earlier, you become an investigative reporter instead of maybe a storyteller. And I don't know how you even see it through to the end when you've got all these warring factions nipping at your heels. Well, it's because it's because uh, ultimately when I write books, I want to see that book on the shelf because that doesn't exist in the world yet. And as a fan, I want to read that book. So I just make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the other thing, the, the one thing I want to say is Josh Silver, the keyboardist and longtime friend of Peter Steele's, never got involved in any of this. I don't I don't want to I want to go on record and say he was kind to me. He um, he talked to my wife and I. My wife was helping uh, with a lot of the research and stuff on this book. Um, he was was very kind. Never took sides. Uh, he had his own reasons for not talking to me. He doesn't he doesn't think rock books of any sort are of any value. He's like it's it, it's about the art. It's about the music. And I said, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. I just like to sort of. Um, read the history, you know, I mean, I got to yeah. take a break. My ears have to take a break, but I still want to know about stuff. It, it was, it was some of the other guys. And I even want to say that I, I don't want to say there was a war going on. It just more or less seemed like, 
oh, if you're going to talk to so so and so, not not just a family, but this person or this character in Peter's life, well, we don't like that person. We're not going to talk to you. So there was there was a lot of that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. Um, and I, so I did get the sense that there was two camps, but at the same time, it was a little more nuanced and, and complicated than that. I feel like I want to comment on, um, you know, what Josh was saying. Um, that's fair for him to feel strongly about that. Absolutely. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, the nerds like us that want to read the history and read the fine print and know what color socks Peter might have been wearing when he was recording the vocal for Christian Woman or whatever, I'm trying to, you know what I mean, just find the 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 true emotional value of someone sitting curling up with a good book you know it, sure just, no i i, I get it i i, I think if you that... dumb, if you dumb it down and you're not not starting an argument with josh silver just saying that he i, I get that type of personality i completely understand and i have friends who are like that but you know that's they would say oh reading a reading that minutia that's uh, that's like watching paint dry i don't want i get that but or, or it's taking away from the art somehow um right. and, and i i believe josh is into beetles and uh deep purple and uh who else is he uh into well we'll say just beetles and deep purple i know he's a fan of those bands the doors you i guess he's never read anything on those bands i guess he's never read bios interviews by his by what he told me wow and if that's true i respect that highly i i don't you know i can't relate as a fan right. but it's it, for for my experience or, or needs uh but yeah I, I i get it you know um it is all about the music but again it's such different perspective because if it's all about the music and he doesn't want to uh, consume this stuff great for me, it's but, all about the music, which is which is why I write books because it's an extension of the music. If someone has a, if someone has a story about how they got the guitar tone on "Smoke on the Water" and you're a guitar player and but you're like Josh and you say, "Oh, I don't want to know that. That's bullshit." You want to know that? <laughs> kind of want to know that. You yeah. Know, well, if there's if there's a certain tone you're trying to go for or is your influence, you kind of want to know what the the uh the nucleus you know the cell the for this the you know, the beginning the genesis of that <clears throat> i do i even I, love reading, i want to know where it comes from but yeah i i even love reading book if, if they're well done i like reading books on bands i don't even like like i i don't like the rolling stones i'm just not a fan okay um i've read two books on them yeah i love it because because they have a really fascinating history it's kind of yeah. like that thing of like Every person in the world has a story. We could all have our own biography out there. Yeah. And the way we do, it's called Facebook and Instagram. But yeah. Like, yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I've read books uh, by artists that I'm not necessarily a fan of just because I can appreciate the the story of making music and i like to hear uh, this person obviously had some success because i've heard of them and there's a book out so how did they go from the garage to being worthy of a book or or a, a 10 album career or 20 albums or whatever yeah. i may not be a fan but there's some substance there and i want to follow that i want to hear that journey because to me that's fascinating well we're all rock and metal fans and like it's part of the it's part of our stream no matter if we're you know uh, taking part in their art it's still still part of our of our of this heritage that's being built every yeah. you know, every, every year so yeah. i want to change gears a little bit mm -hmm. um 
<clears throat> starting starting with uh, we'll we'll merge uh, what you've got going on with Peter's book um, is you have this he, 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 his family it sounded like you know the bonding with his dad and the and the and the influence of his mother and sisters it just seemed very loving and I think that they influenced him on how to treat people. Uh, and had to probably deal with as best he could with him being tall and, you know, odd and just even buying clothes was probably a bitch, you know, right. things like that. Um, he was a big odd bird. And, and you have some family photos in there of him and his friends. And he's like, he's a giant compared to his friends in every, in every, anyway. So yeah. awkward, right? Uh, but he had that loving unit that he's always connected to the whole time and he was smart and he was reading and he was creative and da, 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 and he had all this stuff. And then you have, you go over to your fate's warning book, destination onward. And I'm, I'm not very far into that one either, but where, what I've soaked up is the main uh, beginnings of, uh, of Jim. Yeah. Dave's holding it up there. Um, uh, Jim Matthews, uh, is moving all across the country and you know his mom is not really well grounded it seems and um it seems different immediately uh with jim than they're two different people in two different worlds but the 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 uh, obviously the the um the same dna of music is there and Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, they do have Black Sabbath in common, absolutely. Yes, they and, they're, do. And, and they're both <clears throat> primary writers in their bands. I mean, Peter's yes. still soul writer, Matheos, uh, always the primary writer. Yeah. Uh, articulate, yeah. intelligent. Very well read, didactic. He didn't even uh, finish high school, and the dude is smart he, as a whip. Jim is a genius, in my opinion. Yeah. He yeah. is uh, cre creative on a daily basis i'm sure and has yeah. made his own way and i think in the book he talks about and i'm not glorifying this but like eighth grade or something uh i think he yeah he started to really he said he just put his head down on the desk and just just get through school so he could go home and, and play and listen to records and just be well, he, he he always wanted to be a musician i mean yeah. you know it's just the only thing for him and it, I, th I think sounds that familiar right yeah i mean that persistence of like this is all i want to do yeah and some people don't have the guts to chase that yeah some people don't want to make the sacrifices uh, yeah. it's one of the reasons fate's warning had such a such a, a lineup history is because a lot of the people didn't want or couldn't make those sacrifices to do her uh, or whatever it was yeah i just feel like he's saying he's you're saying that he's like 16 and he's dropping out yeah. He's, oh, yeah. he's like, this is wasting my time. I could be playing my guitar right now. Absolutely. I could be writing my first song that I'm actually give a, that I actually am, I give a shit enough about to show my band because I want to play it this weekend. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the and it's this, but uh, it seems to be he's a little bit, you know, like he's moving here and his mom is, you know not helping much you know i, I don't want to talk shit about well, anybody what's but. interesting about that I'm, and i'm glad you know i i kind of made a point to introduce that in the beginning just when i'm introducing the original guys yeah. 
Well, um, so you're not bagging on you're not bagging on his mom, and neither am I. I'm just saying. Well, no, no, not at all, yeah. not at all. Uh, what but what happens with Jim um, later in the book is when I talk about the theories of flight album, which I think is probably unanimously the favorite Fates Warning album of the more modern era or the, okay. the later records. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about the theories of flight album, um, Jim gave me a wealth of information that I didn't know about, and that 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 album is not a concept record, but a lot of it including the artwork uh, is about his moving and how, and so he finally addressed that in, in his music way later at, in their, what, what was it, 13th, 14th album, something like that. Wow. Like, I mean, it, it, it took him that long to just um, address all the moving and what the effect it had on, on him and his life. Mm. So I, I, that was something I didn't know going into that book. Um, the other thing I want to say about Jim, you didn't ask, but I, I, I think it's an important point, is all through the years as a Fates fan and talking to other Fates fans, if you went to see them and you tried to meet Jim and everybody wanted to say hi to Jim because he's kind of the guy, um, people would always or often be a little bit put off by him. Like he was either rude, they felt like he was rude or just not interested or just kind of distant. Um, and he... Uh, in, a, in a much simpler way, I think he's a little bit like Peter Steele in the sense of like um, he doesn't care for social situations either. And in fact, he told me and allowed me in, in, in a footnote, and this is my choice to make it just a footnote later in the book, but uh, he has been diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. Well, that explains everything. Yeah. Now fans can know he's not a dick. He's not rude. He right. just doesn't want to be there. He wants to be there on stage playing with and for you. He wants to write. He wants to share his music with you, but he does not really care to be around a whole lot of yeah. emotion on the bus or whatever. Just not that kind of guy. Well, um, some, it's been some years yeah. ago now, but uh, one of my bands, uh, Evil United, we were uh, doing a, a, tech, a short Texas run uh, supporting Fate's Warning. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I've known Joey forever, but it was, it was, uh, <clears throat> and, and Bobby Jarzombek, of course, I've known even longer, a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, is I, I met, I met the Fates, I met Fates when John was singing and, and, you know, uh, Awaken the Guardian or so they came yeah. through Texas, um, and I, I went and hung out with them at the hotel, and everybody seemed fine, Frank, everybody, but Jim was quiet. But that's it. I just took it as, ah, no big deal, you know, but he's having a beer, and he's with the band, and he's chill, and there's only like three or four of us there in there in one room just after the show going, yep, that was a show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just, being, just being dudes hanging out. Yeah. And um. So it's been some years ago now, but th- I found it interesting in a connection with what you're saying in this diagnosis uh, is that I'm not there looking for Jim. I'm not going to bother Jim because I've right. got enough knuckleheads I can prowl around the club during sound check with because I know, you know, I know enough dudes, you know. Well, Jim walks in to do sound check and I'm standing in the foyer of the of the club we're playing. And I'm just, I'm just standing there. I'm kind of, you know, merch tables right over here. And I'm kind of in work mode anyway. But he walks in and he, he looks up and he says, hi, Jason. 
I didn't have to. I, I was like, wow. Hey, Jim, what's up? You know, and it had been, dude, a long time since I'd seen him. So <laughs> the fact that, he, that me knowing that he's this, you know, my first uh, meeting with him, I picked up on something. Yeah, yeah. Just with I, I, him, even in his house, you know. Yeah, I picked yeah. up on something. He's he's amazing. I I finally, you know, I he's a little bit like away from Voivod for me, where I was interviewing these guys as a college radio DJ in the late eighties, wow. and then a fanzine guy in the late eighties and early nineties, and you know, we and we would cross paths. And with Fates, like you know, I'd, I'd happen to be um, here or there doing doing this piece on metal in Metal Maniacs and on the Disconnected album. I got you know, uh, took a train up there for the story and was hanging out at the carriage house studio. And wow, I just, and we, so we had a lot of intersections over the years. Um, but you know, that's, Jim in, being Jim, uh, that's Stanford. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And Jim mm -hmm. being Jim, he, and that was where they recorded a lot of stuff. Oh were, yeah. Uh, even some of the OSI stuff, but, um, Jim being Jim, he, um, you know, he always had, there was always a distance there. He always knew who I was and I was a fan and I was a writer. He always liked my writing, thankfully. Um, but when I approached him about the book, you know, he, he, I felt trusted. And then when we got even more into the writing, because I leaned on him for a lot of information. Like mm. He opened up his, um, I, I think I even reprint them in the book, his day-to-day um, -day calendars that he used to keep back wow, in the day. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he kept meticulous records. So he was a great guy to go to. And um, as we went on, we always shared laughs. And, and I just, uh, it, you know, I just felt like we became you know, as good of friends as we could during this process. And that was really gratifying for me just to, to gain a, his trust. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't hand that out. No. And, and that's, easily. that's, that's yeah. sort of where that's sort of the picture I'm trying to sketch is that hey, I don't he remembered know. your name. He remembered your name. That's right. That's Jim. That's Jim too. Yes. That's also Pete Steele. That's interesting that you're making parallels. I've never made parallels with those guys, but wow. you're making them. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, also, <laughs> those two guys are the kind of guys that will remember somebody's name for a long time. Ago. I think that the subjects that you seem to be writing about are, are all somewhat connected. I'm, I'm not looking for these connections. They're accidentally sort of like, you know, finding their way through the darkness for my head to kind of go, wow, you know, I'm really, cause I, I'm reading, I'm reading these books at the same time, Jeff, I'm reading them oh, cool. at the same time. So I yeah. can't, you know, I wanted to get into them a little bit, at least before we started and, and, and connect the dots on some history on, on both fates and, and, and Peter's background that, I mean, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about who they are personally or it, but I do now. So the fact that, you're this guy that they kind of know because you've been around a while and, you know, hey, can you sign my record? And, hey, can I interview you for my magazine or what? You know, hey, will you be yeah. on my radio show? What, however that happened. Right, right. And so they have this little tiny history. Oh, yeah, I remember you. That's cool. And all of a sudden, years later, you're doing this biography, these real stories, not just about the new record or the new single or the whatever. Yeah, I make it a timeline of the whole history. Yeah. Dude, so they have to let you in. Uh, Peter being uh, passed on at the time of you probably doing the research and you having to, uh, the family, they have to let you in. Or yeah. your book is just going to be like, uh, there was this dude and he was cool and the end. You know, it can't. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. 
I, that's that's why I was happy to make the jump to the Voivod book because not only that again that's just a passion project. I love that band. They have a, such a great story to tell, and I think I have a lot to say about them. And they have a lot to say for themselves. That's going to be a very very quote heavy kind of oral history type book. Yeah. Um, but uh, I like I I'd rather do it when I could be let in. You know, I was grateful that the family of Peter Steele let me in. I'm grateful that all of Fate's Warning, not just Jim, but every single guy. Um, let me in, let me bug them, let me follow up if I needed to, uh, let me bug them for photos. Like they understood that, that we were kind of doing this together. And I, and that was a nice yeah. feeling. Um, I have, same a thing with Voivod. I, have a, yeah. I have a question for Dave. Uh-oh. How, Dave, how far into the fates book are you? I've, I'm, you know, me, Jason, I'm a one thing at a time guy. So I'm still okay. on the Peter book and I haven't, I've, all I've done with the fates book is flip through and glance at the pictures and read the front cover, back cover, that sort of thing. Yeah, I can't I'm, focus. I'm, I can't do two <laughs> things at a time or I won't retain anything. And for oh, me, what's the point it. in reading if I'm not retaining it? So yeah, I'm, sure. I'm also confession here. No pun intended. I'm reading biblical at the same time. So I've got bi- Rob Halford's new. Uh, oh, okay. Book. Yeah, biblical. Wait, 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 wait. He's got a second book out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and what's and what's what's the difference between that and the first book? The well, the the second one. Well, have you read the first one, Jeff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, ju- I just read it. I, I have excellent. a Rob Halford story. Actually, I can tell you. Excellent. About about possibly writing his book twenty years ago. But anyway. excellent. Anyway. Okay. No, I, I I just yeah I just did finish the first one. Um, Right. So the first one, um, I, I interviewed him about a week before the second one was coming out. So I asked him to tell sort of preview, give me a sense. How, how, why are you doing a second book so quickly and how does it differ? There needs to be a difference or there's, or it's kind of pointless. And so he said that, uh, the, the first one is more about the story of his life. And, and, and it's actually very little about Judas Priest. Judas yeah, Priest con- is sort of the framework, but it's really about the life of Rob Halford. Confess is man. personal. Yeah. Yeah. It's very personal. And then, so his answer to my question about, well, how does the second one differ? The second one, as Jason said, is titled uh, biblical. Mm-hmm. And he said, the second one is more about uh, the process of being in a band. Like how do you hire an attorney? How do you hire a booking agent? How do you route a tour? So it's sort of this very practical uh, roadmap uh, of, of navigating the business of being in a big rock. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I, I thought I haven't read it yet, but when he said that, I thought I would love to, you know, to read that book because all that stuff sounds very interesting to me. And he's one of the few that have kind of he's he's been on top uh, in some way or another through how many decades? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was always there, and he was always morphing with the decades, and and to some degree or another having success with that. You know, and so yeah, he's I mean he's he's an incredible artist. Um, yeah, my, probably probably my favorite singer in metal. I yeah, think, me too. He's I think progressive. So, if I had to pick one. He's always. Uh... He's never going to break. He's always bending and, and adapting and yeah, after yeah. die, I think I've heard him say. So I love that about him. I, you know, I, I, for, I didn't love two, for instance, but I, I applauded him for going that direction yeah. if he wanted to. Like he has, the, the guy's got serious balls, man. He'll just do what he wants and he'll move at the times, um, but he'll still be him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's never like he's just latching onto a bandwagon thing. It's when I more, finished, yeah. when I finished Confess, I just wanted to give him a hug. 
Right. Yeah. I know. He's like, dude. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's great. It's like armor plated. He was he was just like having to like hide and be be the best that that he could be without someone, you know, but still kind of God, so that had to have been tough. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable book, and I, that's why I appreciated it because, you know, we all know Rob Halford is the metal god, and he's on stage, and he's, you know, the minions are bowing down to him, but uh, a very, uh, uh, I don't know, as Jason said, you know, concealed life, I guess, on many fronts, um, and I, I thought he did a great job of sort of conveying that. And, and as Jason says, you, you sort of feel that isolation because of the way the book is written. You, you, it's not, he doesn't just say it, but you feel it and you, and you put yourself in his shoes and go, God, that must've been a bitch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a really good book. Anyone listening, uh, would not not to get away from Jeff's books, but uh, well, uh, right. you know, I'll talk about Rob Halford as much as you want. <laughs> uh, us too. We talk. I think I yeah. think about. There's probably 20 of our episodes where we've mentioned Rob or his books. So yeah, yeah I want to thread. get back on track with the Fate's Warning book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, this book is uh, less than a year old. A year old. Yeah, it came came out in July. Okay, so. Um, what I know it's early yet, but what's the reception been so far? And the reason I ask is because I feel like that this book, the band Fate's Warning, again, is a very niche type band, but has such a vast loyal following um, that I've and, and they seem to me to be sort of an intellectual type audience. So I would think that you are you are you are filling a void. You're providing a service that these people would just gobble up. So has they, it, they, has it been received as such? Oh, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, the pre-orders were incredible. I think, and I think that was um, testament to the, the, the passion of that fan base, how yes. dedicated they are. And I think it's also, I've had a lot of people say, God, I never thought I'd see a book on Fate's Warning. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I was crazy enough to do it, you know, to put the time and money into it. <laughs> um, but but um, the reception has been amazing. When I when I finished the book and I kind of did my final read, and that's always tough. And I, I think, as you know, whether whether you're with your writing or, or with Jason's music, you know, if you're too close to something, uh, sometimes you just when you're done with it, you don't even know if it's any good, you yeah. know. Uh, but I took my final read after taking a little time away from it and right before it went to the, the printer just to make sure everything was buttoned up and make sure my copy editor caught everything. And I, I had a couple other sets of eyes on it and just everything looked good. And, and I, and I finished it and I was like, that's the best thing I've ever written. Like I really just patted myself on the back. I was like, I'm really proud of that. Like I, I'd be psyched if I was the Fates Warning fan buying it. So I hope you hope that that's the response. And that response has absolutely come back at me a hundredfold. Like it's just, um, I, I'm, everybody's, that has contacted me to give me a response have been really, really um, <laughs> uh, positive. I mean, and so thankful and grateful and, and to the point that they share their fate's warning story with me about how, when they became a fan and what era and you know, what they like, what they don't and what, what about the book they liked and like, you know, things they learned in the book they didn't know. Um, and man, it's just, it's been overwhelming. I, th- I think in some way, per capita, per reader, it's been the best response I've gotten. Um, and I'm really happy about that. And that's the kind of thing where, because I'm in the midst of another book, 
um, that's going to come out on the back of this pretty soon, you, you know, soonish. Um, it just gives me the total confidence to go, okay, just just go with your go with your gut. You got this, you yeah. know, because we we all second guess ourselves, you know, no right. matter how much we've done. You know, you, you, I think we're all our own worst critic. There's that, you know, right. Oscar syndrome sets in at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 really happy with where I'm at. I'm really happy with where the where, uh, the, the response on the Facebook and and where the the Boy Vod book is going. So I'm, well, that's the, awesome. the destination onward, the Facebook. Um, I'm digging it because I'm actually getting excited about how, you know, you have the baby band and then you got to find a singer and you go see this right. cover band and you see fucking John Arch <laughs> right. at yeah. some cover band. And you're like, I can just see the looks on their faces and they're, they're holy, 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 right. you know, though. And I'm right. and I'm living that moment because. I am well aware of how good John Arch can sing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, and they, they knew he was the guy. They went right back. Uh, oh, I think man. it was Victor and I can't remember the other guy, but they went back to everybody to Jim, and everybody was like, "This is the guy. We have to get this guy." Holy yeah. shit! And they got him, and three albums later, you got a classic like Awake in the Guardian. And I mean, Spectre Within is no slouch either. Spectre um, Within, I think, might be my favorite. The both of those I love so much, so much, yeah. and I, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not in the Archer older camp. I like them both. You know, I was bummed sure. as hell when Arch left, but you know, I love No Exit. I love Alder. Uh, I love where they went with Perfect Symmetry and Parallels and Inside. I just, I just feel like um, their evolution is so fascinating, and they just followed their heart and uh, took took a lot of influence from bands outside the metal spectrum and, and yeah. made it work. Um, well, the connection that they have to Texas. Is fun yeah. is fun for me and Dave. Yeah, Dave's sure. from San Antonio, and Austin's okay. only an hour away, so it's kind of like what you well, know. And Ray, Ray, and Bobby being San Antonio kids, basically, right? And and six yeah. degrees of separation. It's more like two degrees of separation with the Watchtower Camp, and uh, right. you know. Well, and then Ron Jarzombek uh, did a tape audition for Fates uh, for the Frank Arresti spot. Yeah, you know the spot that Frank got. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so there's another Texas connection. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> well, Watchtower used to do a lot of shows with Cyrus, and um, there's a picture in the book, I think, at Cyrus's, like, rehearsal house or something. And, yeah, I think they rehearsed maybe in the shed or garage behind one yeah, of the I've been in, house. Yeah, I've gone in there and jammed with oh, those awesome. guys that was, yeah. of course, that we're talking like 30 oh. years ago, right? Or longer, 35 years ago. But yeah, yeah. I've been in that room, so it's like I saw that picture and I I, I proverbial teared up and um, kind, of a, kind of an interesting... Um, I called Mike Vasquez, who's the singer for Cyrus for many, many years. And uh, and I was like, dude, I saw the saw the picture and you have that book. And he go, I lent it out and I never got it back. One of, <laughs> one of those kind of things. Well, it's still available at RadicalResearch.org. That's right. Hey, let's go. talk about your website. Sure. Well, the website is... Um, uh, I mean, your po I'm sorry, your podcast. My yeah, I started as a podcast. I started a po the podcast in... Uh, what was our first episode? 2000, early 2018. Wow. Um, it was already uh, a point where I was like, oh God, just what everybody needs is another podcast, you know, but um, our Don't idea started. 
I know. <laughs> well, you know, we all, you know, it, it, it's it was fun, and I was listening to certain podcasts. None of them about music. It was a I was listening to a Seinfeld nerd podcast. Wow. One about The Office, uh, just comedy podcasts because okay. that's kind of a, another great love of mine. But um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a devotee of Conan O'Brien's current podcast. So. Okay. Anyhow, um, I didn't know much about podcasts musically, but I I knew about. You know, I'd had a lot of experience doing music stuff, and I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast. And the guy I do it with is named Hunter Ginn, and he's in a tech metal band called Canvas Solaris. Um, he's a phenomenal drummer, and he's a phenomenal musical mind. We've been friends for about 20 years, and um, we were gonna we were tossing the idea around of writing a book about uh, post black metal Norway, meaning um, you know, because because the whole that whole story's been told. Uh, ad nauseum to the point that there was that Lords of Chaos movie, you know, it's just, and, yeah. and, and I love that music very much, but um, I, I never wanted to tell that story. But the story that I'm fascinated by is Ulver, Arturus, Solofall, all these bands that sort of came out of the black metal scene and then just erupted into this avant-garde um clutch of bands that um hunter and i are huge fans of and then we thought let's write a book about that and then it just seemed um a little easier to just make a podcast about it. okay <laughs> so so that's what we did and we started with Oliver's william blake album their fourth album and then we just and but it's not it's not norway centric although it is quite it's often focused on on mm -hmm. that those bands we've covered a lot of them already uh but 94 ep episodes in so far i think and we've covered like a lots of Italian prog from the 70s that we like, uh, other progressive rock from the 70s that we like, um, um, avant-garde stuff like Heldon, uh, which is a French guy named Richard Pinhas, his, his standby record from the late 70s. Um, we get into some really deep, weird shit. We did, a, we did an episode on Mind Over 4, if you remember them. Um, we did an episode on Thought Industry. Um, and the whole, the whole idea, the whole time, was not just to be to get our Jones off with the Nor the progressive Norway stuff, but to just do things that nobody else in podcast land are doing. And when I when I was researching music podcasts when we started, I was like, how many podcasts are there on music? And at the time, in 2000, late 2017, there were about 30,000. Um, and I thought, well, if we're gonna do a podcast, we better do it on something that is unique. I feel like that's kind of what I do anyway, is, is something that's kind of niche -y. Yeah. Um, and that's that what we word? do. You guys, you guys would know. No, I just, niche. I just made it up right now. I nice, made it up I like right it. now. Yeah, I'm like gonna trademark it. that. So don't, so don't steal Dave, it. Dave, <laughs> made <a word> <laughs> Dave made a word Dave made a word recently. Chuggy, chuggy, chuggy. chuggy. Yeah, chuggy. It was my way of describing a guitar riff. Yeah, chuggy. I like that. Yeah, it's, yep. it's not chug. It's chuggy. Chuggy, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so so, but it's and it was weird because we were like, is anybody gonna like this? And we had we've gotten such great response. In fact, by by episode fourteen, uh, Hank Steamer from Rolling Stone was all over us. Wow! And I have this little um, screenshot of the day that Radical Research for maybe an hour and a half was trending over Oprah, Donald Trump, and some other shit. Wow! I was like, oh yeah, and it was on the Rolling Stone site. I was like, that is fantastic. So thank you, Hank Steamer. Uh, but we've we've got a, a legion of of followers who just love what we do, and um, that you know again that always having that wind at your back, telling you that you're not the only one. You know, I've I've we've got we've got a fan in Estonia, 
is absolutely all about us. Yeah. I mean, he writes us, he gives us response to all the episodes. Wow. And, you know, guys like uh, John Cobbett from the band Hammers of Misfortune, like he, was, he, he, he caught on to us at some point through the episode we did on his band. And now he's a fan of us. And he went back and like, listened to all the episodes, you know, and, um, and we've made a lot of good friends. I mean, we did an episode of Decroyton, uh, the nice. Milwaukee band. Oh, I love that band. And, yeah. and so does Hunter. And, and Hunter and I are also with all these weird tastes that I have, like he's the only person in the world I've met who like knows or who, who shares so many of these weird little tastes that I also have. That I think I have like a mid eighties Detroit's and flyer. You probably do. Yeah. 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 They, they toured hardcore in the Midwest. I don't know yeah. if they ever made it down to Texas. I wonder. No, I think that they did. Probably. I think the probably. flyer I have is from, from Austin. Uh, but I also think I have like a Bay Area show they did flyer for that. But you talk about a band like four albums, and they went from the fastest hardcore anybody had ever heard this side of like early Bad Brains, and by '91 they were basically it was like a kind of a, a angular Jane's Addiction sound. I mean they they wow. really fascinating evolution, you know. And, and I think all the records are good, so it's um, tell tell uh, us again the name of your podcast. Radical Research. Radical Research, okay. Yeah, and our, the, the, the website is RadicalResearch.org. And then when, um, when I put the uh, Soul on Fire book back in print, I decided to make that the hub, you know, to where people can get it. And just kind of have everything under the Radical Research umbrella. That's why uh, the Radical Research logo is on the Fates Warning book. Um, they'll yeah. do the same on the Voivod book. Just kind of have everything under one umbrella. Yeah. What's the what's the time frame on that Voivod book? Uh, well, I, I really want to get it out for Christmas pre-orders because that's always a you know a good idea. Yeah. Uh, financially, well, that's your the that's your business hat showing. Sure, that. sure. Yeah. I, I and I don't know if that's possible. I'm not going to rush it just to do that. Sure. Uh, but if it doesn't come out by then, it will definitely be out early. 20, probably the first quarter of 2024. I'll have to put that on my list because Jeff, I. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got to make sure. <clears throat> hey, hey, Dave, earmuffs. Hey, Jeff, whatever I can do to get one of those for Dave for Christmas. Oh yeah. Okay, okay. cool. Yeah, I would love to get you one for it. Dave. For it. Okay, Dave, you take right the earmuffs. You, Dave, you earmuffs <laughs> off now. Just um, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, I wanted to ask you, um, what what artists what what artists would you love to cover? Who's who's at the top of your bucket list as far as writing a book? It would have, well, ideally it's somebody that doesn't have a book yet. You know, uh, I, I mean, part of me wants to write up my own book on Kiss. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Kiss fanatic. Um, don't really care for what they've done the last 20 years, but that doesn't matter. Um, uh, they're in my heart. They, they, they started this whole thing for me yeah. as you know, I see the Kiss stuff behind you. And so my shrine is, my shrine is over there. Yeah. If yeah, I would no, have I mean, it, if I would have it back here, it might be a little bit like uh, too much. Kiss and, I, and I love, I love a lot of their eras, um, and I think they have one of the absolute most fascinating stories in, in music. Just uh, you know um, how they did so little with so much, or so much with so little. Yeah. Uh, at first, you know, it just the odds seemed to be so against them, um, and and God, you know, two years later, Kiss Alive, you know, and, and yeah. Uh, not only, not only, that's probably the only album by the band I love where I'd say it's my favorite album by them is a live album, but yeah. I can't, I can't help it. It's, so, it's that good. Uh, that's but, a yeah. common thread on this show is Kiss Alive. <laughs> it's, 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 a incre it's incredible. Everyone, yeah. It's everyone sits on that one. Never get tired of it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so 
but that, you know, I, I own about 30 KISS books right. and I know there's more out there I don't have. So I, so what book am I going to write about KISS? I don't know. So so let's let's talk about artists that don't have a book. Um, I would really like to write a book on Anathema, the, the English band. Um, started as a doom death band, uh, came up with Paradise Lost and My Dying Bride um, and kind of morphed into this, um, I don't know, modern rock thing that more in common with like maybe Porcupine Tree and Radiohead. Yeah. I love that band. I love that band. I think, again, I think there's a great story there. There's uh, at its core two brothers, but they have sometimes had the three Kavanaugh brothers in the band. Um, just the musical evolutions they've gone through, the the, the, um, the incredibly heartrending subjects that they, they've written about. Um, there's one song called One Last Goodbye that's about their mother uh, and her passing uh, that always usually brings me pretty damn close to tears. I mean, it really breaks me down. Wow. And then when my mother died uh, 10 years ago, that song took on a whole new thing. So, you know, you, you, you kind of kind of have these bands in your life that the DNA gets in there pretty deep. And, oh, yeah. and so I love, I love anathema and they don't have a book and I'd love to write it. Uh, beyond that, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good question. Yeah. 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 Well, 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 I'm sure you're busy, but uh, yeah. A guy that does what you do, and, and and like you said yourself, uh, you've had some success with this. You've gotten some positive response. It's got to be very gratifying that uh, the the fruits of your labor are well received. When I'm sure it's a pain in the ass as you're going through the process, but like you said, when you put it on the shelf and there it is and it's done, and uh, it gives you the confidence to to continue doing this. And I, I, I would imagine after the success of the books you've already written and this Voivod thing on the horizon, uh, the reason I asked that question is because I don't see you stopping. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't. But, I, you know, it's I've never thought about the next book while I'm working on on the current one. I really yeah. never have. You know, uh, I mean, Voivod and Fates was kind of a parallel thing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have no idea. But I, it'll come to me and I'll, I'll get right to it. Um, so you sound. Uh very occupied yeah <laughs> you, you in your your you've got you've got you're busy yeah you sound like you have plenty of things to think about and work on right now um your your process uh and uh basic research and how you might even start that process uh, of writing a book, uh, uh, finding the subject, and just basically starting to dig. Um, do you feel like <clears throat> you know enough about a subject to start some kind of draft just by memory or things you already know? Or do you are you a fact checker from day one? Well, I mean, I have to check some facts at some point, like especially ones I come across that I didn't wasn't aware of. But it was really weird because um, when Mean Deviation came out in 2010, people were like, man, you must have done so much research. I was like, 90% of the research was sitting in a room listening to music and listening to albums all the way through in the dark. Like, I'm one of those, you know, uh, I, I'm a hi-fi guy. Like, I, you know, as much as I do with writing and, and, and gardening and spending time with my wife and my, my animals, I can never get enough time in the music room. You know what I mean? Like, it's always about getting back there. I've always got an agenda of like, you know, old 
records I'm listening to, old favorites, stuff I'm buying off Discogs that's old yeah. but but new to me, maybe some new music. Um, so so to me, the research is really truly in front of the stereo. I think Martin Popoff said like, you know, you can't you can't do this kind of thing without logging your your time in front of the stereo. You know, that's the research. So honestly, mean deviation, is, it sounded, I got some weird responses when people would say, you know, how'd you research all that? And I was like, well, there's a lot of it was already up here. I mean, it really was. Okay. So my, but I've been my, lucky enough to live a life where like, I can, I can keep that stuff up here and pay my rent by doing it. Somehow. Right. Whether, whether it was working for Century Media Records or whether it was working for Metal Maniacs Magazine, like somehow I did it. I don't know how yeah. I did it, but I did it. So my, my first throw was pretty good. That yeah. your everything is right here because of yeah, as you put yeah. it, which I like time logged in front of the stereo. Yeah, I could like like I didn't do it this way, but I, like with the Facebook and the Boy Vod book and the Peter Steele book, I could have sat you know I sat down I could have sat down and written the basic bio and then filled all that in with the quotes and the extra yeah. things I learn and, and whatever the people involved because I I got to lean on people to help you with the put that story together, um, but. Um, yeah, but but I have with with all those books, I have done an outline. I'm like bam, 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 bam. I don't really need to look up stuff. Like I know, right. I know album years. I, I wouldn't say I'm a savant with that stuff, but I I've been accused of knowing way too much. I have a friend. I have a a friend. Um, <laughs> You're one of us, man. We all have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, my, my my buddy. I'm I'm good friends with a guy named S. Craig Zoller. He's he's turned into being a um, movie guy, movie maker. Uh, and, and an author, uh, but I, I met him when I was in New York, and I brought him on to Metal Maniac staff as a writer because his writing was phenomenal back then. Um, but we were um, there used to be that mental metal meltdown trivia game. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that, that came out? It was like a trivial pursuit yeah. style yeah. metal game, and we were playing it once. And I got a question on Grim Reaper, which is not a band. He knows I'm not a fan. I don't dislike him. I've just never been a fan. He's a huge fan. He loves his Grim Reaper. Okay. So I get this thing right. He didn't know it. And he's like, he's like, God, you, you even know stuff about bands you don't like that I like. And like he gets so pissed off. And that's, that's been an accusation I've had other friends tell me. It's like, you know more about bands that you don't even like yeah. than I do. And I like these bands. Like, you know, I'm like, I just, it's a, it's one, it's one of my talents is to absorb this shit like a sponge, you know? Well, I, I think that makes sense, you know, because, you know, if, you can be a very disciplined and very skilled writer, but if you don't have a certain innate passion for your subject, you're not going to be as good as the guy who has that passion and is equally as skilled as a writer, right? So, I mean, you, you take a, a very talented writer and ask them to write about fate's warning structurally and grammatically and all that stuff, they can put the facts together and timeline a story but a guy like you who goes into it with all this a lifetime of knowledge in your head and this fandom that, you know, uh, that colors the writing, it's going to be a better book. It's just, it makes perfect sense. Maybe that's why, you know, one of the, one of the things that I like uh, in terms of response, and this goes back to like when I was doing my own fanzine and writing for Metal Maniacs, is I, I seem to be able to get people to buy records. Like they'll, they'll say, I, I, you know, after reading Mean Deviation, here's a list of like 26 records that uh, I bought. And I love that. I mean, that's, that's like, that's better than anything. That's the yeah, best reward. Yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I, if I can excite people, 
you know, to, right. to investigate things or to rethink some things. Um, that's, I was talking that's to Doug Keezer the other day about another reissue of Energetic Disassembly. Just, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, about it, that's exactly. Needs to happen again. That, that's exactly why I got into writing. And you said this at the very top of the conversation. I, I always found myself being so excited about the things that made me excited that I just had to tell the world. And the way to do that was by writing about it. So that's yeah. what got me into this, yeah. into the writing game. It's like, I want to review records. I want the greatest comp compliment I can get is if I go and I review a concert, somebody goes, Oh my God, man, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was standing right next to you. And that's similar to what you're saying. If you can be that convincing with the written word, that means your passion came through and, and it glommed on to the person that's reading your piece. And they're like, wow, I'm either, I was either there and I enjoyed it with you or now I'm a fan and I'm going to go buy the records. But in a way, you're kind of a salesman for that, you know, even though salesman has this sleazy connotation, but it really all started with my need to make other people as excited about something as I am about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the beginning and end of it really ultimately, you know? Yeah. 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 Right on. Yeah. That's a, it's an excellent contribution and uh, I'm really enjoying your books. Like, like I said, you, if mean deviation which is where we started this with and where you started did it being your first book i'm yeah. still blown away um i recently we we had uh we had billy white uh original guitar player for watchtower on this show and he's kind of been sort of to the metal people that watch our show or listen to talk louder podcast um they just they don't know what to think or say when Billy White comes up in conversation and it was kind mm. of like this interesting mm. idea to like, well, let's get him on the show. I still talk to him sometimes. So I mean that I guy, you know, I, I thought I, he disappeared, what? you know, so Well, I mean you know, Watchtower had such an influence in the mid eighties. They were the they remind me a little bit of Psychotic Waltz, where they were two bands that didn't get uh the recognition that they probably should have. They were innovative, really smart, really on the cutting edge of what of what they were doing with the, the metal art. Um, and they were, but they were on the lips of everybody in the underground. You know, Watchtower was, uh, and, and I feel like people need to know more about Billy White. So the more you can, you know, I mean, you know, he he had more influence on on metal in general than I think people realize because the metal bands that were bigger back in 85, 86 were listening to Billy White's stuff. Right. Yeah. It just were. I mean, right. you know, so, I remember. I remember Watchtower from back then. I, I was yeah. trying to put to put myself aside as much as possible, even though I am a ham with a microphone. I, I try to put myself, you know, disconnect a little bit. And and I I you I I referenced you. I think I told you in an email. I referenced yeah. things from Mean Deviation, and and get, became emotional uh, while I'm quoting my quotes or reading things that other people had said and mentions and things like that. And where I was going with it with Billy was, how does that make you feel that when you were, you know, 17 writing this shit, that it was like no other, any 
thing out there in the universe universally pretty much right, right how does that make you feel right now the artwork on the cover that's billy white's brain that's his intellectual property and oh, I and, know then, and then to walk away from that where are you now and what looking back at that old sort of skeleton you left you know exoskeleton that you shed shed your skin and you became because you grow you know he he grew into an you know some something else uh he's he's a, a practicing buddhist and uh he's basically a priest now so uh he went from a million notes being played in <laughs> right like this to one note for a really long time right right interesting and that's okay yeah. it's great sure. it's all yeah. that journey and what you're getting and what you're giving yep. so um in in using mean deviation to just kind of like bring him back in and make him sort of force him to think about it for just a second to sort of look in that mirror or that prism of crazy he he just it was smiling dave is my witness smiling and just like oh my god i haven't even thought about that and so you know it's just really yeah. an amazing thing but it's you it's your uh a collection of things that are in the book because I'm, I'm not just you know there's i'm sure i'm i'm referencing things that relate to billy but there's more to it than that anyway i love mean deviation i'm super proud i show that to you know friends family moms and dads and it i'm so proud to have uh uh been a part of your of your uh brain well, you are and my listening you know yeah i've been yeah. listening to you since uh, energetic came out yeah uh but but also you know i'm really happy and this is no joke not just because i'm on the on this podcast with you uh but um that was one of the parts of mean deviation that people would really bring up a lot was the watchtower thing because I, th I think because i gave it was kind of like a mini book on watchtower that probably the most that had been written about them up to that point oh um, there's no doubt and and people really appreciated it because I think I think it really put them in their their rightful place. Um, so when people would respond and review uh, the book, that was one of the parts that would really constantly come up uh, was appreciation for that part, that band. Um, yeah, so I was I was really I'm really happy about that. Well, throughout the yeah. book, if you look in the in the back, the glossary or whatever, to look at all the pages where Watchtower is mentioned, there's a ton. Right. Yeah, like, that's why I did the index. I I, yeah. I wish I could have done indexes on uh, the, the next two books, but that you talk about a pain in the ass. Oh man. my god! I, mean, I, I'm, I love I'm, or I love ordering things. Like I'm a little bit OCD. Like I you know I like to I like yeah. to uh, I like to alphabetize everything. I like to alphabetize my spice rack. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm one I'm one of those freaks. But indexing was really attractive to me uh, because of that reason. I like I like seeing all that, but. Um, just the work that it takes and yeah. the cross referencing. And I don't know, you know, that was 2010. Maybe there's a program that can help me index. Oh, I'm sure there's an app for that. I think I'll try that with the Boy Bob book. If I, I, I write like, a book, I'm, I if, I write, if I write a book, I'll be using an AI app. Write a book about me. Go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I wanted to hold this thing up. Have you ever heard of or seen this? Headbang. It's called the That's Worldwide it. Mega Book of Heavy Metal Bands, Headbangers forward by ted nugent He's when did it come out super funny rock and roll it just says rock and roll <laughs> right it's pretty terrible uh embossed kind of mm, rock yeah. and roll guy um uh, uh uh 
the guy's name uh it's, it's here somewhere uh hale jack hale i think hmm. uh anyway uh 93 okay 92 93 interesting that means no internet no computer not so the research that he i mean look at this yeah well it's you know like, books like that I, I had another one it was called the something something guide a to z guide by uh, one of those english writers that you've heard of but there were a couple hardcover books of, or, that came out around that time mid you know early to mid 90s that served as reference books Be, again because there was no internet right right we needed we needed that it was it was like pre-metal archives this that's is what that is this that's is in, from a library yeah that's exactly that's great and wow. these go for about 50 or 60 bucks now oh i'll bet and i don't yeah. and and I, what's the and inside I, look like can we uh, take a look it's it's done really well uh yeah mark hale photos, uh, photos lee now. county library system is where this particular uh item is from uh the you know it's it's it looks great uh it looks like a reference book the yeah, bands are alphabetized and it lists all the band members it really their recorded output a little bio maybe has one too of can the you band. yeah uh yeah it, it it is a reference book i think it even says uh the guy they gave those books to me and Jason, his name's Sean Weingartner. He's a friend of ours and a complete metal nerd. I've heard him. I've heard. Does he write for Decibel magazine? He's not a writer that, that I'm okay. I, somehow I know that name. Sean Weingartner. Yeah. He's a, he's a fate's warning fan. He's a okay. warlord fan. He's one of well, those guys. He's one yeah. of our friends then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm sure, gotcha. Gotcha. I'm sure yeah. you, you, you may have, have met him, but anyway, this has, this is hard to stump, but the most impressive thing is I don't, I mean, his process was phone calls and letters. Right. Right. That's I it. remember. Yeah. Making stamps um, and phone calls and God, and, and in the and in the early nineties pre cell phone. Oh my God, the phone bill. Dude, I, yeah, I remember remember phone bills? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I do. We did an in, uh, an episode on radical research about the Florida band atheist about uh, just a few episodes ago. So it was a, month, a couple months ago. And I, I told a story on that episode about how um, I was starting my fanzine symposium in 1992. Um, I had written for some fanzines and I thought, oh, I want to do that. I want to self-publish. You know, I finally got around to that. And the way I got a hold of Atheist was not through a record company connection, because uh, I had a few of those at the time. Um, but I, I called up Sarah, I think it was Sarasota or Tampa or wherever those guys are from. And I just called, what was it, 411 or whatever the information yeah. line was. And I, and I asked for uh, Rand Berkey and Kelly Schaefer. Like, and, they, and they would hook me up. They gave me the number. And I called those guys, like, cold call some afternoon, you know, woke them up from a nap or some shit. Um, and that's how, I, that's how I got a hold of them. That's how I did my interview. Like, the, you, those were their, that, and that's what, I'm not the only person I'm sure that did that. But, like, that's what we had to do back then, right. you know, to get a hold of people. Like it wasn't as easy as, as it is. Today. Well, the beautiful, people, the people beautiful, have to understand the beautiful so the guy thing. that did that book. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm what sure. What did he go through to get all that information? That's yeah. Crazy. The thing is, is yeah. this is really hard to stump. Like I always oh, say, awesome. wow. I always say Phil Campbell from Motorhead. What band was he in with Mark Deverall from Tigers of Pantang? <laughs> right. Persian Risk. In, Persian, Risk. Persian Risk. Yeah. 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 See, nerds like you know that, but stuff right. like that is in here. That's great. Yeah, That's it, great. yeah, it makes it amazing. 
Listen, I could talk to you for a thousand hours. Thank you so very yeah. much for your yeah, thank, time. Thanks, both of you. I, I respect you both so much, and I and I um, I appreciate you doing this. And uh, I, for what it's worth, I'll spread it on my sort of con connects when uh, when this is out. And also, you know, if you want to talk in the future, I'm available. I certainly awesome. will let you guys know when the boy 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 Bob book comes out. Yes. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're uh, awesome. going to, uh, if you will probably repeat them again, but one last time, how they can buy your books, how they can listen to uh, your podcast. Take it away. Very easy. Radicalresearch.org. Uh, I have uh, Soul on Fire and the Fates Warning book there. Mean Deviation is currently out of print, but I'm trying to um, get some more. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking to Ian about either. Uh, taking that over myself or having him do more. We'll, we'll see what happens. I do believe he still has that uh, as an ebook. So you can go to Bazillion Points and I'll, I'll always buy it as, a, as an ebook. Um, but yeah, radicalresearch.org. I also have a link uh, or a URL for fateswarningbook.com. I own that and that right. redirects to Radical Research directly. You can buy the Fates book there too. So, uh, and then all our episodes are also on radicalresearch.org. Um, so that's that's about the best way to do it. Great. Yep. Yep. Jeff, thanks so much for being with us today. I, I, as a writer myself, I really appreciated your story and uh, got crazy respect for you for churning out uh, three books and a fourth on the way and probably no end in sight. So I hope I hope not. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah you guys, are, I, you know, um, yeah, we're clearly uh, birds of a feather here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glester, along with our special guest today, Jeff Wagner on the Talk Louder podcast. Thank you, Jeff.